Comments made on the Ceratok Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Ceratek Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. Michael, you're putting us on a collision course with Carr. I noticed that too, Bonnie. Michael, what are you doing? We're going to stop that car one way or another. Michael, I should point out that Carr may be trying to ambush us. I know that, Kit. But we gotta try, buddy. We gotta try. No way. Michael, what are you doing? Remember that immovable object thing? We're about to find out the answer. Your lives mean nothing to me. Michael, please. Pardon the expression, but he does have a few screws loose. Turn. Car doesn't have my programming to protect human life. That's what I'm counting on, buddy. What? Michael, I cannot allow you to jeopardize your life. I am assuming control. No, you're not, kid. Michael, you know all those times I've called you impulsive and irresponsible? I didn't mean it. Bonnie, you know all those times I called you bossy and demanding? I didn't mean it either. Michael, Bonnie. Yes, yes kid. Yes, kid. Why are you lying to each other? Turn away. Turn away. Welcome everybody to End of Line. I'm Ranger 1138 with the Rockstar. Hello, Rockstar. How are you doing? I am well, and I get a rolling R for the second episode in a row. Yes. This is true. This is true. Well, it's it's again a Sylvester McCoy homage because with us in the third chair, and he hasn't been back since episode two, but we had to have him on here for the Nexus. Uh, Welcome back, Buddy Brandon. How you doing there, guy? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I don't get a rolling R. Brandon. Brandon? I guess I could do that. Yeah, totally. (laughs) <laughs> I know. I, I'll have to practice more. I just can't do it as easy as Sylvester does. He is such a master. Well, no, I mean, it's, he's a Scotsman. It's his so natural language can, for the man. Know, yes. So maybe Ragnarok. Oh, uh-huh. yes. Especially in Big Finish Audio. There's some good ones there. Um, we'll get to more about that in a bit. We know it's been a while since you've heard us in your ear holes, and uh, we thank you for tuning in. And we thank everybody for listening to the episode that we did with Byron. Um, the number of people who have listened or retweeted or commented about uh, the Filthy 15, that was a real thrill for us because that uh, show took a little bit of time to put together and it certainly took you a long time to listen to. Because <laughs> as we know the, we, we as they always it. do. Uh, yes, and that's part of the reason why we take some time between EOLs is because it takes a little bit of um, conservative geek brain power to put them together, but we think you will really enjoy this particular episode. And... Uh, 
there's all sorts of things that we Some, have to look forward uh, to here. Okay, and, I um, wasn't going to say anything, but something smells really weird in here. And at first I thought it was Buddy, but he smells like cheese for some reason. No, so it's I not showered him. and everything, so no, it's uh, not. I was oh. wondering. Uh, oh, the jukebox. Yeah, no, this is a really cool jukebox. I got it on eBay. You know, you watch enough of those stupid reality television uh, shows about storage wars or... Man, you can uh, get anything on eBay. Uh, but, you know, people get rid of this stuff about, you know, I've had this sitting in my garage and I want to get rid of it and it is worth money. So, you know, I picked up this really slick jukebox and uh, yeah, maybe maybe it smells a little weird. Why um, would a jukebox smell like goats? I really think that's what it smells like. It smells like goats in yeah, here. Uh, don't don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I uh, This jukebox is really cool, though. Actually, um, it sounds like goats, too. I think there are yep. goats in here. Um, but, uh, how would they put a goat in a... Hmm. How would they put a goat oh, in there? Look, I got is three it, quarters here. A, you guys go up and... Ooh, tardis a goat jukebox. tardis. Uh, that would be awesome, though. A tardis <laughs> goat jukebox. tardis. That would, a tardis jukebox. I'd like that. That would be kind of neat. Um, anyway, I got three quarters here. And uh, just, you know, you guys pick a song. Just go ahead, buddy. Yeah, here. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's, hey, hey, let, let's... Uh, I get to try it. Awesome. Okay. So I'm the new guy, so they get... I get to try it first. That's cool. Okay, so let's see. Uh, B seven. Let's see what that Bingo. Okay, there's no denying it. I totally heard goats. That that was goats. No, no was maybe the record skipped. No, 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 no. You guys are crazy. You guys no. are crazy. No, no, definitely no. goats. Look, here, take your quarter. You try it, Rockstar. Okay, let's see. C three. James uh, Hetfield never no, made that noise. At least I kind of hope not. Mm. I, yeah, that's goats. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. There's nothing here. It's just this wonderful jukebox. Maybe it's a little, you know, crazy, a little antique you know, something like that. But look, I'll show you. I'll show you. I'm going to put it in a quarter, okay? All right. I'm going to come over here. G8. At a conference or something? Uh-huh. <laughs> 
All right, so there are goats here. Yeah, mm-hmm. you heard it that time. Yeah, time. they're definitely. Uh huh. Yeah, there are goats here. You gonna and, let them um, out or they they or came what? as a package uh, deal with the jukebox. It was a really good deal. You know, it's not like yeah, you well, didn't read the description very well, did you? Or something, or we totally know why it was a good deal now. But I just figured it was five thousand dollars shipping, like everything else. I mean, how the hell did I know? I mean, you isn't know, there like a isn't there like a zoning thing about livestock in in the city? Yeah, and I'm possibly pretty sure they're not supposed Poss- to be in a studio. Possibly, um, but you know, came with the deal, and it's not like I could return it. You know how eBay is with their return deal. You can put them on eBay, maybe. And I mean, it was uh, really cheap, but that shipping, whew, crazy shipping will kill you every time. Well, We've I'm had weird guests on the from, show anyway. for sure, but uh, goats, okay. Geez, last time I was here it was the space sphere, you know, and <laughs> spheres are great. They're going to be cleaning stock. up after these goats. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not cleaning the studio after this. So, uh, space no, sphere, no, welcome I'm, back. I'm so, that's that's for the so adventure sphere. <laughs> <laughs> I am so out of here after this. Uh-uh. Well, I, I figure since we have this jukebox, hey, watch your step. Oh, oh. And, uh, we we might as well just uh, bring back a segment we haven't had in a while. That's right. Let's drop the beat. It's been a while since we've talked about music. Uh, it's been the uh, hmm, Grammys, uh, which was semi-interesting to have Rockstar's very favorite band in the whole wide world and their very favorite song, Get Lucky, win a Grammy Award. I forget who it was that said uh, the reason that Daft Punk won a bunch of awards is because uh, they knew that the Grammy speeches would be short. So, you know. <laughs> I still like the one that said that one day they're going to rip off their mask and you'll find out how powerful Tim Cook really is when he's not at <laughs> Apple. That, that was, that was kind of Cook funny. Tim Cook is in Daft Punk, yes. <laughs> I thought that was really, really funny. One of the things, if you follow my personal feed uh, at Ranger Station, you will have seen, like most of 2013, if only to annoy the rock star, uh, many of the wake-up songs were Daft Punk covers. And uh, in fact, the night of the Grammys, I actually posted three in a row, uh, Get Lucky on Accordion and uh, Get Lucky. The acapella one is actually really wicked. It's like a whole bunch of Daft Punk songs all worked into each other. But that's just barely scratching the surface. You know, there's the Coverville podcast. If you're not listening to that and you like covers, you really should. But this article that we have here listed in the show notes at eolshow.com shows 100 of the greatest covers. Now, who knew some of these these were covers? Yeah, I totally (laughs) didn't know. Did any of these float your boat? Well, okay, Tainted Love. Buddy and I talked about this uh, offline a bit. Neither of us knew that that was a cover. Soft Cell was not the original performer of that. But pretty much nobody knows that. And so... Now people are remaking Tainted Love, and they're remaking the remake, basically, and I don't know how many of them know that. Probably none. Yeah, exactly. Also, Heart. Uh, you remember that song, Alone, that was like super mm-hmm. huge in the 80s and uh, yep. played at I didn't pretty know much that was every school either. dance? No, I had no idea <laughs> that that was... No idea. Right next to Never. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, Never! <laughs> <laughs> then journeys open arms. You know, some people did record records uh, as covers on purpose. You know, uh, the new trend for some people is to do an entire record of cover songs 
do some of their heroes a la, you know, Metallica and Garage Days and Garage Days Revisited, which some people that I've met think that those are Metallica originals like Bread Fan or Stone Cold Crazy. Oh, I cannot believe some people think Stone, Stone Cold, Cold Crazy, Crazy is. was actually Metallica. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. And Queen. Bread Fan, certainly not, Queen though. Song. Really love nope. it. Nope. Neither is Whiskey in a Jarro. Whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, no. That whoa. is totally not a Metallica song. Then Lizzie. Great song. Yep. So this article goes through a lot of these, and I just I don't think I got through all of like them, but it's couple. about a hundred of them. And yeah, there's yeah. a whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, there's like Janis Joplin songs, "Me and Bobby mm-hmm. McGee." I Me didn't and Bobby know that McGee. That yeah, I knew. I knew. I knew that was. A, I, I knew that was a, a, a cover. Uh, was written by Chris Christopherson. Yep. But nobody can sing it like Janis, or sort of mumble it like Janis. Yeah. Um, uh huh. That's yeah. pretty much what she said. <laughs> Especially at the end. Oh, yes. Right? When she's really going up. Bah, 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 bah. You know, it's like, damn. Uh, uh, I thought that stuff was supposed to make you more mellow. Huh? Go fig. Yeah, uh, apparently really not. Well, that. you combine it with the alcohol and... Uh... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's, there's nothing like taking the power of a stimulant and putting it with a depressant. And those do work out really well. So I remember my health classes when I was in high school exactly. in Texas. Okay, so Ranger, did this one surprise you? Because uh, it definitely surprised me. I thought I knew my anthrax, but Got the Time was originally yes. done by Joe Jackson. No Correct. idea. I was like, whoa, Correct. really? Joe Jackson. Correct. I actually asked back in my radio days, I actually talked to Joey Belladonna about that and did they have a list of songs that they were going through to decide which would be more shocking or which would be more recognizable? And to hear those two back to back is a blast, by the way, if you have a chance. Um, that's the beauty of YouTube. And they actually have a Attack of the Killer Bees where they've done uh, a couple of other songs that are over there that are covers. And of course, that also houses uh, the I Am The Man remix and the version of Bring The Noise with Public Enemy, which they toured with, which is the interview I did was uh, Anthrax, Public Enemy, and Primus. Nice. And that was that was a really fun show and got to meet Terminator X1 and see just how big those things are that Flava Flav wears and all of that. But yeah, me- meeting Scott Ian and, and those guys, highlight of my short but very long in memory radio career. That is a good song though. I like, that is one of my favorite all time anthrax records. Persistence of time. Yes, me too. You know, falls right in there with like countdown to extinction for Megadeth or for some people, the black album, but others say injustice for all. That was just that time. That was a golden age of, of new metal and, um, got the time was just one of those that got radio play, which was very, very unique for anthrax. Not not since antisocial had that happened. Okay, who did that? I, I did. We, I were we getting boring? Think- I, I didn't. Buddy, was that you? Did you pick up a cord? I did. What, me? I think maybe the goats themselves are doing it. Or are actually, no, I just are saw they? the Adventure Sphere scuttle out. Uh, so I think the Adventure that's Sphere revenge. came in and revenge did it. revenge because he has to clean these guys <laughs> afterwards. So that's 
Makes sense. See, uh, everybody has a quarter just in case the conversation gets boring and uh, they can just drop one in and, you know, we'll we'll hear a song off this amazing jukebox, which had a amazing bonus right after that. But And an amazing funky smell. Yes. Um, yeah, almost like members only jackets in a 1984 Trans Am. That's right. It's time for the Nexus. 1982, actually. Was it 82? Was it 82? 82, yeah. Yeah, didn't you? could look yeah, on the Knight Rider right. wiki and, uh, and find Yes, the car of the future. <laughs> Knight Industries 2000. Or Man, I, we... I totally wanted one of these when I was like... Actually, I still do. There were dinky toys if i remember right there, there were, were dinky toys playmates uh playmates did a line kenner kenner did kenner one. did one yeah uh, i kenner remember the kenner the, one the kenner, kenner ones the, were kind of really cheapy too if i remember yeah the Ken, well kenner did the talking yep. kit car that you know had the michael knight action figure i did, i didn't ever get that the one that i had was the was the set that had the little matchbox kit and the launcher and you you launch it into the side of the semi trailer and it oh, looked like busted. Gotcha, wow, gotcha, gotcha. what fun. The thing that I, I I adore about this series, and it is one of my all-time favorite series, this is why it was uh, going to be in the Nexus, Buddy and I had talked about this a couple of times offline. There was just, for some of us, you know, there's, you know, Rolling Stones versus the Beatles or, you know, different kind of rivalries. And at the time growing up, you had the Dukes of Hazard people, and then you had the smarter set, which was the Knight Rider people. And um, they were on the same night sometimes, or they were on up against each other. They were on, well, I remember them being on, the Dukes of Hazard was on at 7, and Knight Rider mm-hmm. was on at 8 on Sun. Uh, no, excuse me, on Fridays. Fridays. I remember yep. this very specifically. Uh, they moved him to Sundays uh, in the third or fourth season, but the first season for sure was on Fridays. Yeah. There's, if you go looking online for Knight Rider commercials, and I did that in prep for the show, there are actually people have uploaded the promotional at the time of them moving. There's even, you know, uh, <laughs> there's even a kit saying that they're moving time slots. There's David Hasselhoff saying, join us, you know, we're moving time slots. And they're the whole big thing to get you to know that they were moving. And, um, I think what was it? The slogan was I'll be there. And I had forgotten some of the really bad NBC slogans. Cause this was coming out of the, the battle of the network stars where you had all these different uh, slogans for the networks that were going on against each other. And this was kind of towards the end of the Freddie Silverman era and going into different things for NBC. So the I'll be there was just one of the worst slogans ever. And that's why I remember it so well. But I, I watched it like you Friday nights. That was, you know, appointment viewing because unless you had a VCR, unless you were one of the lucky people and, who did. And who had one of those? We didn't. Um, I had a gigantic RCA, RCA VET 450. It was monstrous. It was like the coffee table VCR of its time had gotten it from a friend of ours. And uh, it actually had seven day advanced recording features, buddy. Seven whole days and did not flash 12, 12, 12. It actually just brought up four little dots to tell you that you needed to 
<laughs> of course, the seven the days reminds me that uh, when 14-day advanced programming came out, which reminds me of the, uh, I don't know, you probably weren't in Austin in the 80s, but in they, they had Highland Electronics and... Oh, yes. And, uh, yes, Highland Electronics. Remember the 50 watts per channel baby cakes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? And I still... And I still say that, which is really stupid, but <laughs> <laughs> the, power, the power of marketing. I'm telling you, yeah, uh, Highlands and McDuffs, and uh, yeah, there was there was some great classic, terrible <laughs> places to buy electronics back then. Yeah, and, and very for a very short time, uh, we had Fred rated for Federated Superstores. Didn't did they didn't last long in Houston? But it was really funny to see those commercials with Shadow Stevens because I was like, now I know what Shadow people in Stevens. California dislike. This is cool. <laughs> But I did not dislike Knight Rider. Uh, the no, concept I of the love show, Knight Rider. if you didn't know, is um, one man, uh, a loner. Can make a difference. Yes, he can. A gentleman who is done did wronged uh, gets a chance at redemption after being shot in the face. And uh, Fortunately, he had a metal plate in his head. Yeah, go figure. That, that, that lets you know that um, those things can be helpful. Uh, he is then introduced to a crime fighting tool that is new through the Knight Foundation. And, uh, that is this wonderful Trans Am that is bulletproof and has a, uh, artificial intelligence inside. Yeah. You uh, know, voice- for, for, a, for a car that was so indestructible, it sure broke down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Voiced by the incomparable William Daniels, uh, who, who, who will always be Kit. Always, yes. always. Yes. Like you hear, like remember Boy Meets World, you know, he's the principal yes. on yes. Boy Meets and Meets World. And it's like, hey, what's Dude, kid doing kid. there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or if you see him in some other movie pre-1982, it's like, oh, whoa, that messes up my head. You know, why Why is he doing that voice? <laughs> That's so weird. That's like um, watching Blazing Saddles and seeing John Hillerman uh, not as Higgins. You know, not in a a Magnum PI. The thing about the show that I liked, of course, was this is one of the few times I will ever say this on EOL is uh, it had a really good synthesizer score and I cannot stand synthesizer scores. They are not something I enjoy, but for that time, for that show, for what it was, it worked really well. And you still had some, Mm -hmm. some band elements in it, you know, a lot of horns and things like that. But speaking of covers, they filmed this show kind of cheaply because oh, it was expensive. Oh, kind of cheaply? To, uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to jump Trans Ams each week. Pontiac was, you know, happy to have the advertising, but still charging you to buy a bunch of Trans Ams. Uh, so you would have some of the worst covers. Oh, they the, were terrible. Oh, man. They uh, were just The one that jumps bad. out to me is um, um, Playing with the Queen of Hearts. The Juice Newton yep. one is really yep. bad. The, the uh, Harden My Heart by Quarter Flash was pretty bad. Oh, that too. is a bad one oh, too. They did You're that? Right. Oh, how they rough. did. Oh, it was yes. bad. <laughs> it, it really became one of those do I recognize that as the actual song that they're trying to perform? It was definitely oh, were, something that was scary. Yeah, they were bad. And then, of course, David Hasselhoff's girlfriend at the time is in one of the more original songs. What was it? Uh, the one about the bird, Bluebird Nightbird. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, Oh god, that one! I'm, I've White put it out of my bird. head. It yeah, is I, I, I know bad. the. Yeah, and then yeah. she got shot in the head or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Spoiler. They were like right before, <laughs> right before they got married. Well, I mean, yes. he got a whole like three and a half seasons worth. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so the original series um, holds a lot of um, 
favor. I mean, it just was kind of iconic at the time because you, you had a team going around solving things, but the Trans Am was cool looking, had that thing right on the front of it, which was ripped right out of Battlestar Galactica. Of course, it was a Cylon noise. It was a Cylon RED that went back and forth. And it was produced by Glenn A. Lawson, who also did Battlestar. So big surprise. But a lot of the sound effects were kind of recycled. And even the way that they wrote Michael was kind of Starbuckish at times. So there was a lot of influence coming out of Battlestar into Knight Rider. And then you had some iconic things that came out of that, like car. We did at the top of the show, the quote, the Knight automated roving robot and uh, kit and car just really inspired a lot of people to want to either dress like Michael Knight, which is kind of a scary thought, or it made uh, to sense actually in the 80s somehow, but maybe not get so much a anymore. Trans Am. Yeah, now now making making up the Trans Am to look like Kit. Oh, with, there were you know, Kits. That, so oh, many there were Kits, kits for all kit. over the place. Oh, yeah. Wow. I remember going to car shows and seeing that. In fact, I went to a car show and saw the kit that was used Ooh. for glamour shots with Michael Knight himself, David Hasselhoff, who was a jerk at the time, but that's not a surprise. And because uh, I don't see well, they let me go over the rope and touch kit. I touched the show kit. Sweet. And that was kind of oh, cool. Just, you're just too cool for me, man. I know. I, I, we're uh, not worthy. My mom and dad took me to the auto show specifically so I could see, see I thought the I was- kit. I thought I was cool for being able to climb over the rope at the Air and Space Museum and touch one of Amelia Earhart's planes, but man, that's you know, cool I, I, too. I, I, I have you beat me, nothing though. to be cool about. I'm just saying. <laughs> you beat me though. Touching touching an imaginary car versus an actual piece of history. I will I will give you that. But I will say that afterwards, we're walking away, and my mother turns to my father and says. Wow, those acne scars, that makeup is really incredible, or our television is really bad. (laughs) Wow. Nice. And everybody was so, I mean, every teen girl, and I was not a teen at the time, I was younger, but uh, my sister's, oh, David Hasselhoff, he is so hot. Yeah, and then and then he tried to be a rock star in East Germany, and you know, you know, it was <laughs> that a was just scary. <laughs> oh, he 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 did. He was like a big old huge huge East German rock star, but that just frightens me. Yes, but I don't know. Knight Rider was really cool. I I don't know the sort of fourth season. It kind of turned to crap in the fourth season when they when yeah. they put in super pursuit mode in the and the convertible yeah, and the button. laser harness restraint system and. Um, yeah. I think the laser harness restraint system eight, came out before. I dialed the uh, number actually when they were like, call to find out what's going to happen next season. And I was that. And I spent like an hour looking for the the promo. And I think I have it here in the show notes where you could actually send in to get uh, the plans for Kit. And I remember actually doing that and uh, sending them in to get them because it was, you know, send in and you can learn about, you know, what's this and this. And it had like the console and what each button did. And I remember going over that with a fine tooth comb and just reading that. That's, you know, it was it was a show that was unique for its time and it inspired things. You know, that theme uh, has been used in a number of places as well as. Many a ringtone I've heard from people. Buster Rhymes used it in uh, one of his rap songs. It's been, you know, in the background of other songs that have referred to it. And whether it be 
the concept of Devin and Bonnie and you know solving problems. The, the oh yeah, that's big, a, that. The, you, you mentioning Bonnie that reminds me. What did 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 we ever know what the backstory was? Why Bonnie disappeared in season two and was replaced <laughs> just, yeah. by April for a season? I think that was, was just, just like, pretty random. Um, some people sometimes want more money when it comes to you know coming back. Well, no, and, no, and I mean, make, no, I mean, like, did they did, did they, they come up a with a, a storyline for it? For it no, a plot not that I remember. Didn't it. they bring her? If I now I'm fuzzy. They did. They brought I think Bonnie she came back, back for in that season one episode. Three. Yeah, and and then they kind of semi explain it and then write it away. It is one of those uh, things where back then people didn't watch things they would like they would now on Netflix where you can binge watch and catch those things. You know, you might not remember a year ago something that was said in maybe one line of dialogue about Bonnie. And so they just thought they could get away with it. And it, a lot uh, of but shows they could were not. Just, <laughs> no, not to geeks like us. No, but the the concept though got kind of worn, and you had so many NBC shows doing the same retread. So you had BJ and the Bear, you had the A Team, you had Sheriff Lobo, you had Knight Rider, you had uh, this was before Miami Vice when you start to get into the darker storyline epics of NBC that they were doing. You know the classic western. You know, sheriff rides. You know, uh, lone drifter rides into town. Lone drifter solves problems, leaves a silver bullet, and rides away. And that just got kind of old. Who was that black car guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and his mechanical Indian Tonto. Uh, no, but it was it was that concept. And they tried bringing it back in a couple of different ways after the original Knight Rider went away after oh, the you know three and a half seasons. Good. Grief. So first of all, there was the action pack, uh, which gave us uh, Hercules, which then gave us Xena. But in there was Knight Rider twenty, and wow. Yeah, yeah t- you know that that's a, that's a thing I never saw. Um, I, I read did. synopses of it, and I guess it was like a girl car or something, and she. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was playing into something. the cyberpunk slash post nuclear war stories that were so predominant in late 80s early 90s um, and the idea was that it was kind of Mad Max with Knight Rider and just yeah, by saying then, that I had I had to swallow <laughs> but, the, but then but then they brought that they had that Knight Rider 2000 movie where they brought Michael Knight back and you know they stuck the kit brain into a 57 Chevy and all this kind yep. of thing. that was yep. that was kind of kind of well done but of course we knew it was a one-off they killed Devinoff uh, in that one they that did was, kill Devinoff yeah well, they, by the they way, talked spoiler. about gun control and all kinds of things. And that has my favorite line out of almost all television. James Duhan has a cameo. Oh, yeah. In yes. <laughs> As himself. Yes. <laughs> what? As himself. No, seriously. It's a scene in yeah. front of an ATM. Yep. And, yep. and, 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 and Scott the is actor points the ATM. to him. And he points at him and says, oh, there's James Doohan. He played Scotty in the 13 Star Trek movies. <laughs> he, was, he was on a roll. James Doohan was doing like Ben Stiller show on Fox. And he had done all these, these cameos all of a sudden out of nowhere. In fact, that's kind of a sad story because... He was on uh, Next Generation. Well, there was, there was that, and but he was also uh, propping a line of toys that he had some um, money in because when I had seen him earlier in his I Hate Star Trek feel, which was most of the 80s, 
you know, people would ask him, remember, remember in Balance of Terror, you weren't really in that, but remember in Balance of Terror, blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And he would know episode titles or anything. And then I'm watching on QVC at like 11 in the afternoon of all things in the 90s. And he was actually quoting episodes and saying, you know, in Relics, I'm, I've got a space shuttle. I could, I could show up at any time. They could bring me back. It was after TNG, and it was just kind of, oh, really? Oh, you, you turned into the change. wave, did you? Yeah. But, yeah, Knight Rider 20, uh, two, excuse me, uh, 2K was a backdoor pilot. And uh, the big thing about both of those was that they, they couldn't get David Hasselhoff to do them because David was off being a rock star, like Buddy said. So – Neither one of those concepts worked out very well until you get to wait Team Knight Rider. Team Knight Rider. <laughs> Ten years ago, all it took was one man and one car to get the job done. Now, the Foundation for Law and Government has assembled five highly skilled operatives and paired them with the most advanced state-of-the-art vehicles to take on a new breed of outlaw. That is available on YouTube. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu as well. I I saw an episode, at least some of it's on Hulu. I I saw an episode of it, and it was a little hard for me to follow just because, like, I couldn't tell which... It was hard to tell which things were cars and which things were people. (laughs) Yeah, that could be problematic. You know, because, like, you know, at least Kit had a... The Kit voice sort of had a... It was filtered, right? Yeah, you had that. Yeah, my problem was that when you get that many cars and trucks together, they should form a giant Japanese robot. And if they don't, then it's really oh, not Oh, I was watching. thinking well, convoy, the two, Well, the two motorcycles uh, did. Either way. Yeah, but they didn't have a blazing sword. And that was well, a problem. You know, Voltron okay. has a blazing sword. No, I know what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying. And, and it was bad. I mean, it was really bad. I've watched five episodes of that. that well, was it only, it only lasted one season, so it couldn't have been... It was really bad. And so well, <laughs> they almost got David Hasselhoff. They were close. Was, it, was, his, was his rock star career starting to tank? No. At that point, it was a matter of money, and they kept thinking that if they could get him to come back and be an advisor or get, you know, that's what they needed. They needed star power. That's right. David Hasselhoff dash star power. Um. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just saying. Uh, it was at the tail end, whereas Knight Rider 2010 was at the beginning of the syndication wars. Knight Rider in the team, Knight Rider form, was at the end of the syndication wars. Xena was already over. Uh, there was really hard to find shows that were going to be able to fit on these uh, stations because UPN and you know we had CW, we had UPN or the WB at that time. So you had like five. I think there, I think networks. there actually was a UPN and a WB. Mm-hmm. I think there was before were, the merger into the CW. Yeah. So you had all these independent stations that were clamoring for content, whereas they would take on something like a Babylon Five or repeats of Twilight Zone just to have something up there. And this is before you had networks who don't care anymore or local television who don't care anymore and go, oh, let's throw an infomercial there. No, they actually used to have programming and Team Knight Rider fit that bill for a little while. And I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to start an infomercial channel. I think um, <laughs> that would be uh, investors great. Welcome investors. Welcome 24 hour infomercials, all infomercials. Sometimes all I the think time. that's the Esquire network. Uh, <laughs> but, 
again, it was so iconic, and it was just hard to live up to the original show. No matter how and then many they, times, well, they you tried. They, they tried the last time in two thousand eight with Knight Rider, the new Knight Rider, which I have the I have that on DVD now. But man, it just wasn't the same. You know, it wasn't one man anymore. Yeah. It was like a whole team of people. It's like the new Michael Knight had handlers, and it was just wrong. <laughs> yeah, this is true. <laughs> it was like Alias with with a car in it. The Mustang was cool. I actually like the KR Mustang that they used in that. And it's actually, it, that's the model number. It actually has a KR in it. It looked nice. The car was really good. The remake of the theme, not bad. I, I was okay with kind of what they did to the theme. The voice of the car was originally supposed to be Will Arnett, but Will Arnett was actually pushing, I think, Chevy or Toyota at the time. And so he lost the job to Val Kilmer, who I think did a really good job. I I don't have an issue. He, he- I had I had trouble getting used to it because he sounded and and he played it he played it well he yeah. you know he sounded uh, like Very low he would key. perhaps be a computer but I don't know the warmth in Kit's voice was just not there it was very cold very mechanical which I guess would be more like what you'd get out of a computerized car <laughs> however what you're saying it wasn't Tony Randall like sounding from the odd couple is because that's the way sometimes William Daniels sounded to me was when he was yelling at Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) I know you'll never get that image out now. I'm very sorry, but it's, it's been haunting me for 20 years. (laughs) But he played it well. He had a nice interpretation of that, but just the fact that the new Michael Knight had handlers just bothered me to no end. And he wasn't a great, I don't have anything against, I can't remember the actor's name. That's very sad. I don't Mm -hmm. have anything against him. It was just NBC was throwing poo at the wall to see what stuck. Uh, Because you had the Bionic Woman remake at the time too. Because it was the beginning of the CBS, uh, excuse me, it was the beginning of the Universal takeover and Comcast coming in the background to kind of sort of push it. And let's see what things we have in the basket that we own. Oh, look. We have Bionic Woman. That's worth a reshot, you know, and reboot this and reboot that. I think what they did on Battlestar was great. Let's redo everything. And Knight Rider was one of those things. It didn't feel very thought out or fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, hey, and but it mentioned reason, it mentioned Doctor Who. Uh, it mentioned Torchwood, too. Uh, in the Halloween episode, someone dressed up like Jack Harkness, and I liked to fell over. I was like, whoa, what a nice homage. And they brought back Carr with, with Peter Cullen I... as the voice. Didn't see uh-huh. that episode. I'm gonna have to go and dig uh-huh. up Peter my DVD Cullen, and check that out. Back as the voice out. of Car. Uh-huh. That that happened. So the CPU of Car was recovered, and that was what was really kind of neat about that. To a to, to a minor respect, they got David Hasselhoff, and they made the 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 idea that yes, this is a reboot, but the original kit did exist. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, he was, was on the he was on the end of the pilot, and. The that was kind of neat. They they were they were the show to get back the person that you know was so iconic for the role. Uh, he had come through a whole bunch of things, as we all know. If you have ever seen the video about eating cheeseburgers, and he was happy to have work, and of course his uh, career had started to wind down in Germany. And uh, if you ever get a chance, it's not completely good, but if you ever watch the roast of David Hasselhoff, there's some good Night Rider jokes in there. The series actually got a reboot. They put it in a hiatus, then they took it down around episode 9, 12, then came back with another concept where it addressed Buddy's issue where it was more a loner, one man. But by that time, ratings were against it. You were looking at the writer's strike. Shows like Chuck were doing way better and hitting a younger audience. 
They moved it to the Slotto Death on Friday night, and that pretty much killed off the last version of Knight Rider. But it, too, still managed to inspire people to go out and learn about the original show. Knight Rider came to Netflix, and that really started things uh, back up. And Netflix, your home of old television, like Airwolf and yes. uh, other shows at the time Lots that were very television. inspired. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it was a glory days of television where you had the greatest American hero. You had Net, uh, Airwolf, you had Blue Thunder. You had all these great sci-fi based shows, but Knight Rider just seemed to rise above them all. And we have tons of links here in the Nexus portion of the show notes where people have actually homaged it. Supernatural did a wonderful homage to Knight Rider and, uh, we have some others, uh, like the voice work that was done for the aforementioned bit of, uh, Knight Ridery stuff from the roast of David Hasselhoff. Are there any type of, of inspirations or songs or videos or jokes that you saw? I mean, Rockstar and I have talked about Night Boat on The Simpsons, which is <laughs> yes, <laughs> every week. <laughs> Quick. We have to go through that fjord every week. It's a outlet or a fjord or a canal. <laughs> like, but um, are there any any uh, jokes or or things that that you remember, buddy, from this fantastical show? No, not not really, not really. I just I just remember <laughs> how much I loved watching it when I was growing up. I collected middies, like different versions of the theme for oh, a while. Nice. Um, there were there were there were always some very good creative 16-bit. I played some of the video games, which were craptacular. There was a PC game. In fact, there were two PC games. They didn't have any of the original voice cast, but you actually went on missions and actually had to do Michael Knighty type stuff, and it was really really neat. Was I never there, played. Was there them, always one? Was there always one turbo boost per episode? <laughs> no, no. You you had you had a lot more uh, ability to do turbo boost. In fact, it kind of sort of tasked you to find the right walls to bust through from what I could tell. These uh, gameplays are on YouTube and you can actually watch the PC versions of the Knight Rider game on YouTube, which I think is really neat. YouTube is really a treasure trove of amazing Knight Rider mods or films that were using uh, Knight Rider references. There's um, uh, a, a click here I have from someone who wanted to, the perfect car for a date. So they actually call up Michael Knight and David Hasselhoff and he drives Kit over and that's kind of funny. Let us know what you think. If there's a, a special moment, if there's an episode that you adore, if there's a Knight Rider reference we didn't really cover here or didn't cover in the show notes, let us know in the iReport right there available in iBlink Radio for iOS and or Android, as well as you can write us at resources at serotalk.com or drop us a line on Twitter at EOL Show, twitter.com. We're, we're, we're looking at you, Dion. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I think Dion actually has like a Windows sound uh, theme with all Knight Rider noises on it. Oh, nice. Well, I thought about getting the kit GPS back in the day. Oh, the kit GPS would be kind of cool. <laughs> oh, and before I forget, there actually is a, a move to bring kit back in, in a big screen movie. Uh, we have some links here. In fact, there's a new link that I need to put there because I think they actually have casting for Michael and or kit. Um, but it looks like we're going to get Knight Rider back in a big screen adaptation sometime within the next two years. Uh, Ooh. possibly because of the fast and the furious being so popular, but that would be neat. 
I don't know what car it would be or anything like that, but uh, we'll we'll come back to that, uh, and I won't throw it's it. It's an in SUV this time. <laughs> oh, that would be a hybrid. Kit is a, a hybrid, hybrid, right? Yes, oh yeah, totally. The Prius, Kit. Michael, the Prius. I totally need the sun. <laughs> <laughs> You're blocking the solar panels on my roof. Oh crap! There goes the space veer. <laughs> space veer has a quarter. Look out, everybody. Uh oh. Oh no. Looking for the perfect gift for a loved one with vision loss? Elegant Insights Braille Creations offers a distinctive collection of jewelry and accessories, all handcrafted, made in the USA, and embossed in crisp, readable Braille. Find us on the web at elegantinsightsjewelry.com or call us at 509-264-2588. Elegant Insights Braille Creations, jewelry and accessories with a tactile twist. Mmm, foods, so many foods. Mm. Um, um, uh, and there's going to be a new Lay's chips thing. Buddy, woo-hoo. buddy, buddy, buddy. There's going to be new Lay's chips. Oh, it's gonna be, we don't know what the flavors are yet, though. They need to make them in, uh, they may need to make them in wavy. I'm just saying. I know, yeah, it's going to be so much better. Bite. It's just wavy Lay's stuff sticks to that better and just better flavor. I actually can say that I had Lay's Lyman chips. So it wasn't lime. That just sounds it wasn't nasty. Lemon, it was lyman. Well, I thought the same thing at first Wait, wasn't initially. That, wasn't that the wasn't that like, you know, the secret ingredient in Sprite in the 80s? Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and and yet they weren't sued. And when I ate one, I thought, ha 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 ha. No, that's seven up, wasn't it? Wait that a minute the, though. No, that was seven up. But wait a minute. Yeah, because yeah, Lay's is owned by Pepsi. I believe. Oh, conspiracy. Is it a Pepsi yeah. No, thing? it's, and uh, then, yeah. And then, is it Sprite or 7-Up? Sprite is a Coca-Cola. No, Sprite is a Coca-Cola product. So, hmm, uh, wow. Mm-hmm. Conspiracy. I would have thought at first, and I did not purchase these, lemon and potato. I'm not sure how I feel about this. No. Lime and potato, maybe lime kills the potato taste, but believe it or not, and there are some lime-dusted tortilla chips out there. Yeah, but sure there are. I took a bite of the lime chips, and they had everything that we've talked about before, buddy. We're too thin, and why was this here? And it's kind of moist. Why? How, do, how does moisture get into this bag? <laughs> yes. But after the second or third handful, I was like, these are not horrible. I will never purchase them. But I did consume a good quantity of the bag. So if that even sounds vaguely interesting to you. I would try that. I Lyman. Yeah, I don't no, like. not me. I don't like the lime corn chips for whatever reason. You know, no, the salt I, and I lime. And I'm just, Mm-mm. I don't know. Not a fan. Not but, working for me. Mm. Uh-uh. Well, we do have an NI report from Thomas about last year's contest. Um, so let's hear that. Hi, this is Tom Maddox here. I'm listening to the latest EOL right now. On my gem box, big gem box. And it sounds really, really good. You guys come do great. Anyway, um, wanted to talk about, you guys are up to the part about the chips. I tried the chicken and waffle. That was really good, kind of interesting. And I tried the cheesy garlic bread. Wasn't quite garlicky enough for me. I love lots of garlic. 
but I can see why they call it the good cheesy garlic bread, and I really hope they keep that flavor. Uh, I think by now they're all done, and I'm not sure what survived and what didn't. I was being beginning in May, but um, anyway, keep up the good work, and maybe I'll give another live report during the show. Talk to you later. We also got an email from uh, Maureen about last year's contest. She tried yes. them, and uh, uh, let's see. She, she tried, wasn't a fan of most of them. T- yeah, pretty much. The garlic parmesan, not so much, and the chicken waffle, basically, ew. Actually, it said she liked the garlic cheese bread ones. We have a bag of oh, those Oh, that's right. It was the tomato basil that she didn't like. We tried those like. in the uh, the Noms edition that yeah. uh, you can check out. In Orlando last year. Yes. Those are still available, yeah, I, too, if you want to try those. Yeah, I've seen those in yep, stores. I, I actually, we actually have some of the garlic cheese bread ones downstairs, and they're not bad. They're not great. Not bad, though. The waffle ones, yeah, a couple of things here say yeah, too much maple syrup. Yeah, the maple syrup flavoring is a bit intense. But again, I think that they would be a lot better on Wavy. You know, what's also uh, shown up is Oreos. Uh, there are some new Oreos at the time of this recording. Uh, there is the Marshmallow Crisp Oreos, which is kind of the yellow cookie with marshmallow filling-ish. I mean, as good as Oreos get to be with that. And Rice Krispie-like objects in said double stuff Oreo that, cream. God, just sounds that's weird. That's just too much yeah. Too much everything. That I just don't sounds, want I'm, that. It just sounds I'm, I'm weird. I'm not interested no. in trying this or the chocolate chip cookie dough cookie. This seems very meta. No, the cookie, cookie dough, dough thing in a cookie. In a cookie. Why mm-hmm. would you do this thing? So many weird well, now, textures brought together. It seem, seems well, a little redundant. Now, I don't know. Um, maybe, but... The, there are um, little chocolate chippy things inside the cream of this particular cookie. These are limited edition, so you well, want to go and grab those. Yes, Yield Sweet Shop is probably the best place to get the best store, like bakery type place that I've found to get cookies from ever, ever, ever. And they are here in beautiful and hysterical Erie, Pennsylvania, and they will ship. But one variety of cookie they have is a brownie filled cookie. So it's got like (laughs) brownie batter inside of it and they're intense. That does sound intense. That's probably the closest thing to, uh, there was a time when I was cutting out sugar and carbs and stuff like that from my diet, and uh, I had been pretty successful with it for a couple of weeks, but the side effect was that I was very intensely craving something with sugar, and so I tried to think of something that would contain basically every kind of dessert ever, and it was a (laughs) cream-filled brownie pie cake was what I decided that I wanted, and I think this would be... I don't know how you would make a cream-filled brownie Mm. pie cake, but uh, the brownie-filled cookie sounds like, you know, a pretty close approximation of a cream-filled brownie pie cake. Yeah, they had red velvet They're they're pretty good. (laughs) Oh, Red Velvet Cake Blizzard was good. Oh, and there's a Red Velvet uh, Molten Cake at Sonic at the time of this recording. Dairy Queen had, and I don't know if they still have, but they had a uh, Chocolate Cheesecake Blizzard, which was pretty fantastic. Yes. That sounds good. But they also had some jalapeno burger, You were the flamethrower burger? (gasps) Yes. um, I I, I really do actually want to talk about burgers. There's the uh, flamethrower at Dairy Queen versus the... Angry Whopper at Burger Angry King. Whopper. Ah, yes. Ever had a sandwich tasty. take a bite out of you? The Angry Whopper has one thing over the um, flamethrower in that the Angry Whopper has, besides the, 
it has jalapenos and it has flame broiled. Like and it's well, it's flame flame broiled. So <laughs> the Dairy Queen one, the Dairy Queen one is is grilled, but it also has, uh, of course, the pepper bacon and stuff. But it's got and and the sauce. But it's got French fried onions, like ah uh, oh, yes, like onion not onion rings, so, like onion petals. Like, yeah, like the really on, thin uh, onion thingies. It has crunch. Yeah. You know, it has yes. to have the crunch element. Food Network has yep. taught me this. Now, does the yeah? So does, they're pretty good. Does does the flamethrower have what does it do for peppers? Are they just crunchy the flamethrower has? Or? No, it's I, I I can't remember if it, I haven't had one in a, a little while, but I don't think it actually has jalapenos on it. Although it should. Yeah. In Texas, um, it might. <laughs> in Texas, it might. It yeah. has. Um, well, the thing that the flamethrower has on Burger King, though, is you can get it with one patty or two. Aha. The the Burger King one only is one patty with bacon. The the pepper bacon one. The the flamethrower has two one or two patties. They're uh, hot sauce like the chipotle mayonnaise, pepper jack cheese, and peppered bacon. I like this trend, like the hot mess trend we talked about on another. Oh episode. yes, and that was the Jack in the Box thing. Yeah, and those I, were, I don't know if they're still good. doing that actually. No, but that website was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they actually anybody, had a, uh, songs for it and everything. Has anybody tried that uh, Frito enchilada thingy thing? At, no, at we need to get eye reports on that. Uh, Ranger will not be trying that. I would like this a lot. I've seen people on would, Twitter like who to have it. tried it, and they really Frito like it. Frito burritos Sonic this. or Taco Bell is one thing, but I do not necessarily want enchilada sauce on a Subway sub. And what bread? Golly, what bread do you put that on? I am curious about that, actually. What bread is going to stand up to that? But yeah, I do want to try the chicken enchilada sub. Yeah, it sounds to, good. Anything with yeah, Fritos is pretty much it. okay with me. No. Yeah, no, Fritos, no, Fritos are good. But I'll tell you what, uh, as far as sandwiches, though, I, I, mean, I got to say, Jimmy John's has it all over Subway. Jimmy John's is really, really good. The only thing that is strange about Jimmy John's, and I don't know if this is the case everywhere, but if you go into Jimmy John's and maybe you want to order something a little substandard or, you know, can you put ranch on that instead or can you put this or – you then it becomes the it's it's yeah it's totally like no we no you know that's funny know because this. it's funny because whenever I whenever I order from them I'll say like I want the Billy Club with no mustard put mayonnaise on and and put bacon on and they're fine they're and, okay and, with and, it and, wow and maybe yeah. it, maybe it's and, just and where they're, they're, I am and it's still fast it was still fast when I went to Pittsburgh and did this thing it was still super super fast. We have, you know, of course, now we have a Jimmy John's here, and um, oh, I believe today is ordering Jimmy John's Day at my house. Ooh, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice but, to inspire that. But but no, like their website when you when you go through, you can put your order in on the website, and you can customize. It. It's like they had that. I saw an option there that I had never seen, and it was great for Alina because Alina doesn't like a lot of bread. And they have an option where you can, it's called take bread out and they'll scoop the top of the bread. They'll scoop out bread out of it. Oh, no kidding. Uh-huh. That's hmm. kind of neat. Especially for those who are gluten or diabetic, they might want to avoid it. Or so just less bread. Yeah. The, yeah, the well, sandwich. And, um, or you could just do the I'm KFC sorry, the double lettuce, down where you just, you know, order no the, bread at all and just have I mean, I'm sorry, those are le- but the lettuce sandwiches. wrap thing where they like yeah. wrap the sandwich fixings in a big old lettuce, that's just weird. Same way I felt about that KFC double down. Now, <clears throat> I've had that. I had that once. I'm no, going to throw notice this out I there. said once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw this out there. Both of those 
both Jimmy John's and Subway, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a couple of names out there. You give me reactions versus Quiznos. Do not like Quiznos. Definitely Jimmy John's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we're unanimous there versus Schlotzky's. Oh, Schlotzky's is awesome. I still prefer uh, Jimmy John's or Subway over Schlotzky's. You know, it's, well, the thing is, I haven't had a Schlotzky's in at least, well, more than 15 years. I haven't had a Schlotzky's. Long, long yeah. time. Yeah. How about Firehouse? Long, long I really love that, Firehouse. That was my third subs. one. She oh, stole my you're going to go so for Firehouse. Firehouse. I yep. don't know about them. I've never had them. I really no. like Firehouse for eating the sandwich, of course, and just actually being in the Firehouse restaurant because they have all these different hot sauces that are available. You can get, you oh, know, scotch bonnet stuff and uh, <laughs> just, you know, this whole huge wall of them. And you can just get the bottles and blup, I think is the scientific term, blup a bit on your plate so that you can dip your sandwich into that. <laughs> or you could open up the sandwich and put it all on there. But it's much more fun to have several blups of sauce that you can choose what to dip the sandwich in and it is very, very good. I've never heard of this place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think Schlot, you know, it's it's funny because I was really excited when I when I went to Pittsburgh the last time when Melanie was in the hospital. I was really excited because I saw, oh, there's a Schlotzky's. Oh, this is a, and then it closed. They're gone. They didn't stay open. Oh, they, didn't, they didn't make it go, but it no. was gone. So sad. But but they had Jimmy John, so it was good. I tried the Big King. Uh, yes, Leno. Said- because of um, Angry Whopper. And mm-hmm. uh, so I tried that. I think I'd rather have a Whopper. The diameter is a little smaller, I guess, because you're getting two pieces of meat and a piece of bread in between like a Big Mac. Yeah, like a Big Mac, yeah. yeah no, I'm, I'm the, definitely on board the Whopper. The Whopper is yeah. the hamburger to get from Burger King. Yeah. Definitely, and have you definitely. noticed Wendy's just go right through the floor since Arby's bought them? They're just, ah, I don't want to eat there anymore. I'm just not a Wendy's fan any longer. It's not... Um, well, well, I noticed one thing. I I got you tried that Chipotle okay, like chicken the, sandwich from the Chipotle Wendy's. Chipotle chicken sandwich. I was very disappointed. Their chicken patties and their chicken sandwiches used to be really good. They used to like ha- have oh I don't know chicken in them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that helps, doesn't it? Say, and the diameter used to be um er bigger. Big, yeah. Now it's just now it's a little chicken patty, like parts yeah. is parts patty, and. Yeah. It's like, no, what have you done? What yeah, have you Wendy's done? Is, Do you know gone, what you've done? Just gone off my radar. I just know. I would rather – I did do the uh, Taco Bell XXL nachos, which is like twice the size of a grande nacho and has Ooh. the ability of using beef, chicken, or steak, whatever steak might be actually at Taco Bell. Not really sure what manner of steak well, that might be. Oh, I love – I, it was I haven't good. had Taco Bell in a long time. They had a – Oh, what was it? They had some kind of burrito thing that I had there that was pretty good. And before we move on to the homework segment for the good of the show, and by the way, you can find out a lot about things that we talk about here at EOL Show uh, by following us on Twitter. And you can see some of the things we tweeted up there, like uh, Jimmy Fallon's ice cream, which has like chocolate-covered potato chips in it, or King Cake ice cream from Blue Bell, which I also tweeted from. I yeah, except you can't get Bluebell outside of Texas. No, you ah, can't, which makes me so sad. Because yes. Buddy was coming here today, I tried white chocolate, carrot cake, m and ah, no. <laughs> Knew you would feel that way. No. When I had the bag in my hand, I went, this has Buddy's hatred all over it. <laughs> so oh, right over here by no the ingredients. Idea. Hated by Buddy Brandon. It's right here on the bag. I'm just saying. 
Ah. Uh, so don't even get me you, started on white chocolate. And then you add carrot cake in there too. No, <laughs> you get cream cheese on the front end of this. Blech. Then you get the carrot kind of flavoring, and then it's all pure buddy white chocolate uh, at the end. Cream God, cheese and candy—that is just not together that, that again. Is not good. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> and when I tweeted this personally, um, the deluge of people, I mean, this was almost blue cheese versus ranch territory. There were so many people who had feelings of, ah, why, 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 why? And there were Needless a few people like, oh, yes, edition. I want that. I totally want that. For Easter from M&M's. <laughs> I almost I almost want to ship you some just for fun now. No. <laughs> John Panneries told us on when we were recording Triple Click Home, he was talking about mint M&Ms. Now, I want to try those. those. Are I want that, yeah. Those are good. Those are good. I want and those. There's, there's a difference. They actually did uh, chocolate mint and mint. So they were like almost like eating Altoids oh. at one point, and then they were chocolate mint. So Ooh, I want to try both also of want, those. I also, want, I also want some peanut butter M&Ms immediately, please. Peanut those are good, too. M&Ms peanut butter so M&Ms, awesome. like Reese's Pieces. I or, actually prefer um, Reese's Pieces. Peanut butter pieces. M&Ms with peanuts in them. Oh, I like, oh, that's good. But okay, are Reese's Pieces or, or peanut butter M&M's the preference? Because for me, it's Reese's Pieces. No. The, the, the chocolate ah, to peanut pieces. butter race show pieces. is just, yeah, it's yeah. better. I don't think Reese's pieces. pieces has any peanut, has any chocolate in them. No, no, but it's the texture of the peanut butter. Is yeah, just it's just like smooth mm, and good and the, yeah, the, well, yeah, I guess, yeah that, the, I guess that the peanut butter, peanut butter in, the, to in the M&M's coating is, ratio is. Yeah. And Rockstar and I were talking about this offline. Reese's peanut butter eggs, not the trees, not the mm. pumpkins. No, the eggs are awesome. The eggs. Those the are eggs those are, awesome. are badass. Yeah. Just flat yeah, out. Absolutely. And Reese's Pieces eggs are good too, because then you get a lot more of the Reese's Pieces you like in it because it's a gigantic egg and those are totally worth it. Yeah. Oh man, that's so much better than peeps. Ah, oh, what was it? Oh. All right, Rockstar, you have to tell him. Yeah, but you can't put those in the microwave and have them blow up to like enormous size. No, like but Rockstar, Rockstar and I have this thing, right? So Family Guy last year had this wonderful song, and I'll make a note here in the show notes. And it was one of Rockstar's uh, wake-up songs. And it asked the age-old question, have, have you, you ever, ever put, put butter, butter on, on a Pop-Tart? Tart? Mm. It's no. so freaking good. And so uh, that song has uh, been stuck in our heads. And Rockstar says the other day, uh, Have what you about- ever put butter on a peep? So we mm. were trying to figure out how exactly you would, would go you about putting butter <laughs> on a peep. And the, the, you know, the first response was, well, if you're trying to spread it with a knife, then you're basically scraping off the, the sugar the coating. coating of yeah, the, the peep. protective sugar coating. And <laughs> so I decided that you would probably – Melt butter in the microwave first, and then you would roll your peeps through the butter, and uh, then you've got as Food Network has taught me. Yes, Yes. then you've got Mm -hmm. uh, butter on a peep. Yeah, good luck picking that up. (laughs) 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 Good luck. If if this sounds in any way good to you, please go check yourself in somewhere for help of some kind, because this is just not a good idea. The previous homework was about toast, butter on yes, a toast. And, but yeah, butter toast. on toast. And yeah, yeah. Toast. nobody said anything about toast. I love no, toast, though. Didn't, didn't go over. Uh, I personally, this is just my thing. This is really weird with pancakes and stuff like that. I don't use syrup. And I so don't, on French I don't either. toast, I don't, 
No. Yeah. I just don't like syrup. No, I don't either. I've never either. been a big no. fan. No, All my I, pancakes I, is butter and maybe a dusting of sugar, which kind of turns yeah, it into butter a and sugar. Yeah. Powdered mm-hmm. donut pancake same, surprise. Same Same here. I do that with cinnamon yeah. toast. You know, it's kind of the cinnamon mm-hmm. toast cinnamon, kind of approach. Yeah, cinnamon ah, too. Cinnamon toast. Cinnamon. Mm-hmm. So good. I've just never been a huge fan of syrup. It's I'm, sticky. It gets no, everywhere. You can never get it, it off. And you. it's just a pain. It's like, a pain, you know, like, oh, I just... Poured like half a bottle on this. Yeah, blind, Oops, yeah, blind people and syrup. Just yeah, it's it's it, it's it, all it, of the it, disadvantages it, of barbecue sauce with none of the redeeming qualities. <laughs> so, butter and sugar is the way I go with that. So I'm Absolutely. glad to know I'm not the only strange one. No, it's the same way. No, it's the same way all. that people don't understand that I don't like raw tomatoes, but I love tomato sauce and other stuff. And Rockstar, yeah, in the same this. way. Yep. Just not a big fan of raw gelatinous, icky, disgusting yeah. tomatoes. I actually even like Melba toast, though. That counts as a toast. And I don't know why I like it, but it's like the ultimate tastes like nothing snack foods. You could eat it with anything. Like when you go work looking for the captain's wafers and you keep landing on like piles and piles of Melba toast crackers. But I I don't mind it as a cracker. And there's (laughs) the age old question. Why did they not make French toast out of French bread? (laughs) (laughs) That is a good question, actually. I'm from New Orleans. I'm not saying nothing. (laughs) Well, you have to, if you want good French toast, you've got to let your bread dry out and sit somewhere, which has always been a little bit creepy for me. I think that was the uh, original impetus for inventing French toast. It was a way to use old dried out bread. Like, hey, what are we going to do with this? Hey, I know, soak it in eggs and stuff. My mother prefers that French bread sit out like a day or so, and she likes a good crunch. And my father is the exact opposite and will take it and seal it away and vacuum seal it to keep the freshness. And um, I never know when I go over for breakfast to see them which version of French bread. Would you like some French bread? Oh, <laughs> which mom's not. Dad's? <laughs> mm, who's, who's winning today? But this is unlike French fries, which just so happens to be our new homework. Yes. I love French fries. I do too. I love all kinds of French fries. Oh, I I would probably write several odes to French fries, a French fry haiku perhaps even. I love them this much. Okay. So thin, thin cut. Like shoestring or, or thick, like steak cut? Steak fries. Like, uh, yeah, okay. okay, so good question. For me, usually it is thin cut because thick cut aren't done the right way. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I'm the way. same way. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I like a, my French fries to have a, have a, like a, a little crunch, a little crunch on, the on the outside, but still kind of... Still kind of soft on the inside. Doughy spot in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Starchy. And with steak fries, Mm -hmm. no, they're usually like all floppy. It's hard to do though. Yeah. uh, Or just wrong. And I like Unless we're doing chili cheese fries or something. If you're doing something. Yeah, there you go. Then then a steak steak fry is perfect. And people put lots of weird stuff on fries. Okay. So for me, uh, I like both. It depends if I'm out in the restaurant or if it's homemade. I'll I'll take them anyway and get them, but I I don't mind the peel. No, yeah, I'm, I'm totally good all. with that. I especially I'm, I'm like the peel, the peel on uh, potato wedges. You know, you could. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I love KFC I, potato wedges, by the way. Well, this is this is where I was going. Have you ever driven somebody nuts to go get the burger from Burger King, but the French fries from McDonald's or a combination thereof? <laughs> I have not I've done, done this. I've never court, done it. it I've wanted to, I but I've, I've not made somebody do that. It's more but expensive I, it's, that I have, way, but I have, I have, not have not so done that in the food court where I've been like, I want your fries, but I can't 
stand your burgers and I like your burgers, but I can't stand your fries. So yeah, I have not, I have not done this thing. So yeah, do tell us about your fry preferences, including what the strangest thing you've ever had on a French fry or maybe seen someone else have on a French fry. For me, it's mayonnaise. Somebody had mayonnaise Oh, well, that's so European. No, that's very European. That is just, no, that's uh, gross is the term that you're searching for there. I I mispronounced, I'm sorry, I mispronounced (laughs) gross. Yes. It just sounded like European. It sounded like European, Um, correct. There's a place at the corner, there's this pizza place at the corner. It's the it's what I like to call the uh, restaurant location of death. <laughs> the restaurant location of death has been like five or six different things since I've lived in this neighborhood. And I've lived in this neighborhood since 2005. So, And there was at least a year or so where there was nothing in that building. Is there a betting um, pool on this? <laughs> Can you get in on it? Yeah, yeah. Part, of the, part of the problem is that there's nowhere to park at this place. It's like one of these little uh, tiny places that's like a, a takeout. Like you, you go in yeah. and you get your stuff and you take it out. I mean, like there, you can't eat there. It's a takeaway place and, and there's no place to park. I I suspect that's a bit of its problem, but it's been all sorts of different sort of takeout places. And right now it is uh, D&EB's Pizza House, it's called. And it's got the same exact menu as the Steel City Sandwich Company because it's owned by the same guy. Uh Ah, just another label. Well, well, yeah, except that like, you know, his wife got half of Steel City when they divorced or something. Oh. So he said, fine, I'm going to take the menu and, you know, open this other place. <laughs> you, you get the bad so, employees, I'll take the menu. We're all good. It's uh... <laughs> Something like that, I think. Well, one of the things that they have, well, they have all kinds of different fries. You can get the baked potato fries. You can get the chili or the, um, the uh, bacon and cheese fries, or you can get the fries with Greek sauce. You can get the steak and cheddar fries, or you can get garbage fries. Garbage fries are wonderful because they have cheese and bacon and and Greek sauce and sour cream and jalapenos and onions. Ah, wow! So it's I a special oh, fried that. rice and fries. <laughs> oh, that's a heart so attack good. on a plate, and they're awesome. I love. See, them. that's that's what I like about Waffle House hash browns all the way. Oh yes, <laughs> covered and smothered and. What else do they Either gravy, gravy or chili. Gravy, <laughs> gravy, gravy. Oh, gravy I love gravy. Chili. Yeah. That you can gravy do it sausage, on fried gravy. potatoes is the awesomest thing. Oh, no, yes, do you know, it is. No, do you know, there was, and I haven't had one of these in a long time. The Owens Family Restaurant, you know, the Owens Sausage People. Right. Had um, an, an omelet that was like the, like the, I forget what they called it, the homestyle breakfast omelet or something, but it was like, it had sausage and potatoes and cheese and gravy on it and it was just wow. the best thing ever eggs and gravy i'm not sure about but anything else in gravy i'm totally okay with corn yeah, chips and gravy, gravy no and maybe not okay no gravy uh, on most no, things but, then well but see and they don't know they don't really know about gravy up here it's usually that you know, like that brown gravy. It's not like cream gravy. Cream like gravy. The That's South. the only There's way to cream go. Gravy in the, oh, see, yeah. I went to Texas Roadhouse the other day and they offered brown versus, you know, regular gravy on the chicken fried steak. And I thought, you know, for, for fun, I'll just do the brown gravy. Oh, You're what a, a no, 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 no. You're a traitor. No, no, no. You've got to. I mean, like, that's one of the awesome things about Cracker Barrel. Their gravy is just, I love their oh, gravy. Oh, the gravy is great. They have actually some of the best chicken strips ever, ever 
at Cracker Barrel. It seems like it would be easy to get a chicken strip right, but it's actually not at all. Never eaten there. I know this sounds really strange for, for, for me, but never eaten there. You've never eaten at Cracker Barrel. Oh. Never eaten at Cracker Barrel. Nor put butter on a Pop-Tart. Have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart at Cracker Barrel? No, Cracker Barrel is very, very good. And and what they do is the, the, it's very real chicken inside, right? And the breading. You're implying that there's fake chicken at McDonald's? Yeah, I know. How dare I? No, we're actually saying that there's (laughs) fake chicken. Anyway. I've seen a video. They talk about chicken. (laughs) <laughs> the the breading Showed is it. not quite like a beer batter fish kind of thing, but it is crunchy in a similar way rather than being kind of cornmeal or like, ah, it's so hard to explain. You'll just, you'll, you'll have to go and have chicken strips at- Have uh, chicken strips at the-, cr- at the, is, yeah. it the ba- is it the chicken fried steak batter? No, it's slightly different somehow. Because the chicken fried steak batter is, of course, of course, they're- traitorous and because they're from tennessee and they call it country fried steak yeah but but it's really chicken fried we all know that it is in fact buddy when you were in texas did you ever eat goat i did not look out look out look look, look out i did eat goat Ah, why are they coming after me i'm sorry i was i was young i didn't know any better i ate a goat and i liked it Hims is proud to introduce the Blaze EZ, our new handheld multiplayer. Blaze EZ gives you power and versatility in a device that's simple to use. Blaze EZ is in a league all of its own. A 5 megapixel camera gives you the power to scan menus, brochures, and other printed texts. Wi-Fi gives you access to podcasts, internet radio, and other content. Bluetooth lets you connect wirelessly to an external speaker of your choice. And there's so much more. For more information, visit us at www.hims-inc.com. Hems, your needs are our solutions. Wow, we had talked about a TARDIS jukebox, and apparently the goats really got into that. That was, uh, wasn't expecting that. Uh, the Doctor Who 50th happened. Oh, it did. Man. And that was fun to consume. And we actually talk about that in an EOL Extra. And uh, if you haven't heard that already, run over to EOLshow.com to get our thoughts about Matt Smith, the 12th Doctor, and the 50th. And I even talk about going to see it in the big screen. I done saw the dialects on a big screen. It was cool. Buddy, what have you been consuming, man? Oh, well, uh, it, it's it's sort of been a long time thing with me. I, I'm sure to catch it every month, but... The Red Panda Adventures from Decoder Ring Theater. They last year he came out, or the Decoder Ring Theater folks, Greg Taylor 
um, came out with the uh, Mask of the Red Panda, which was a three-part comic book that was released electronically on Monkey Brain Comics. And, um, well, they just released it in a hardcover, no, not a hardcover, a hard copy graphic novel. And um, we got that for Alina, and she she's having a blast with it. But they also, and we should link to this in the show notes, they also released a YouTube video where they took all the all the uh, images from the comic and then added the voiceovers and sound effects oh, and stuff. Uh, so you've got like a, a graphic sort of novel, audio. a graphic novel, yeah. a graphic yeah. audio novel with um, that's sort of almost like a almost like a cartoon, except it's not animated. It's just the you know the comic pictures and stuff. Yeah, um, that's awesome. It's linked. Uh, it's uh, in, in three parts on YouTube, and um, we'll have a link to the show note. Uh, link in the show notes. I'll be sure. Now, to send for that. new for new listeners, can they jump right in on that, or do they need to know the Red Red Panda universe and mythos? No, it's a standalone story. I think they'll mostly pick it up. Although, um, of course, it's a whole lot better with if you can get some of if the backstory, which right. Yeah, but and and all of the podcasts are available on the Decoder Ring Theater website. All one hundred and what are they up to? 103, 104, something like that. Getting up there with um, the big finish ranges. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ranges and they, they come huge. out, they come out once a month at the beginning of the month. And, um, then they, of course, their other series is blackjack justice, which is, uh, sort of a de- detective series, but they're stories in the style of, of, uh, the old time radio, um, superhero and, and detective serials. And and they're they're really nice. They're really well done. And uh, like I say, the well, I was really pleased that I was able to um, enjoy the comic with everybody else. They they had a Kickstarter campaign and put this thing together and 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 just released it on YouTube for free. And I I think that's just awesome. So many of those things coming out now. It's just so hard to keep up with it unless you're really into your favorite genre. You know, yep. um, uh, this is why I had to cut back on Big Finish is there's just so much great audio coming out from so many different sources and other people going, I want to do this because I like this and fan it's creations like a, of Trek and more. It's like a renaissance of, uh, it's like an audio renaissance. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the, they, the golden age of radio drama in the U.S. was uh, sort of the 30s through the beginning of the 50s. And um, of course now here, um, there's not much radio drama at all. There's imagination theater, and that's about it. Other parts of the world, like the UK, like the BBC, has lots of it. Remember and, when uh, Leonard Nimoy was behind Seeing Ear Theater with a Sci-Fi Channel? And there's a lot of great stuff from the late '90s and early 2000s from Seeing Ear Theater. I think it's still on the God help me, Sci-Fi website. S Y whatever it is. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, gonna um, have to, I'm gonna have to check that out. But stuff. but yeah, there, I mean, there are lots of these little outfits that do a lot of audio, and it's just you know usually it's a couple of guys yeah. or, or whatever, and they're doing some really neat stuff. I mean, uh, of course, back in the day it was all mono, and there was cheesy dialogue. Now you've right. got great sound effects, and you've got stereo, and you've got all these, you know. Um, the dialogue's improved but a lot in most stay cases. Stay away too. from some of the Star Trek audio fan ones because they're obviously recorded on bad internet connections through various things that begin with S and end in IPE and um, just sound god awful because it's people recording things in various times in various ways in various rooms on not even the same microphones. And it, oh, it is. 
There is some really bad audio out there too. If you look for it, it is. Oh, very, there's very there's serious. definitely there's de- definitely stuff that is not really great, but there really is some really fine audio production out Agreed. there too. Rockstar, what have you been consuming? Uh, I've been consuming some pretty interesting stuff. One of the things that I've been consuming came about because of you. Uh, you actually discovered a series called The Last Apprentice by Joseph Delaney, and neither of us really knew much See, about it. Here I was it. thinking about Donald Trump, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no one says you're fired in these books. It would be nice. but I Yeah, mean, there no. are times you wish they would, but uh, it never does They're labeled happen. as kids' books, and I don't think they are. They're um, a bit darker than a children's book. Uh, uh, they, they're really marketed at sort of the four, grades like four through seven age range and i don't think that i would not let my fourth through seventh grader read these uh without you know maybe being there to discuss some of the themes found in the books but they are very short books and the audible narrator is absolutely fantastic i think he makes the material which is good in its own right he really takes it to a whole other level. And uh, again, the books are very, very short. Uh, there's about one a year released. And I think they're up to about 12 books now. I have read seven of them. So you can check these out. We've got a link in the show notes to that. Also, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, I'm consuming the latest uh, Jonathan Kellerman novel. So it's number 29 in the Alex Delaware series. This is a sort of one of those character series that focuses on Alex Delaware, who is a child psychologist, but uh, works with the LAPD as a psychological consultant on cases. And when I describe it like that, it sounds very dry and boring. However, it's not. Uh, they're really, really well-written mysteries where not only do you have what happened, we all have to figure that out, but it's character-driven in a way that a lot of mysteries like that aren't. And so you kind of care what happens to each of these recurring characters and then how they react in certain situations. And there can be some moral ambiguity involved from time to time. And it's, it's a, it's a great read. If you're looking for a series, you can start out with when the bow breaks. That's the first in that series. And uh, also lately I'm not necessarily consuming zombies, but they're trying to consume me because they keep uh, chasing me and, I keep running. I know somebody says so little time. Uh, they, uh, I'm playing a game called Zombies Run, which is uh, a game for iOS, and I believe they have it on Android too. Although I haven't played yep. it there. Yep, 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 yep. Still on sale on Android at the time of this recording. Perpetually ah. on sale at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it would seem so. And the storyline for this particular game is kind of fun. I really like the voice work in it. And it is meant to be played kind of as you're either walking around or working out or doing something involving exercise. And so you have these great clips of things that are happening interspersed with a playlist of your choice. You can't unfortunately 
get it to use something like Pandora or iTunes Radio. But yeah, so, you know, put together a playlist that uh, you like. And finally, for me, it's like I added lots of songs that I liked uh, without any really slow songs since I'm working out to it. So I don't want them chasing me to some, you know, nice, slow, relaxing classical music. Uh, that just seems a little weird. But good game, uh, definitely worth checking out, and it makes exercise time far more interesting than it might be otherwise. Still working on CSI K through 12. That's, sorry, your, <clears throat> your description of that. Of that <laughs> I know, I know. Where my marketing mind went, sadly. Uh, huh. I am playing the sequel, if you will, to that called The Walk. And the walk is by the same guys at uh, six to start the makers of both that and zombies run. I am playing it on Android and it's kind of the same idea, except the guys over at six to start thought, Hmm, a lot of people are lazy and they might not want to run, even though zombies are a good reason to run. So they came up with the idea that you walk during the day, or some people might want more low impact exercise. And uh, what it will do is take the same concept that Rockstar just mentioned, but tie it more towards goals that are related to walking and simple movement. And it's, again, the great storytelling ability. It's the same author on both of those games. Fantastic voice cast. I don't know if they're the same voice cast because I've, I've not played Zombies Run, but I would imagine that there might be some similar voice work. It is neat and uh, has daily challenges that I have not attempted yet because... <laughs> You have to complete the challenge in 24 hours and, you know, working in computers, you just don't do that very often. In fact, these apps can be very good at making you feel bad about the lack of movement. How often you, do you in sit. Types of jobs. Yes, we have, we have sitting disease. And this is the stupidest thing I've heard in a while. This morning, there was this news report that said, um, if you sit too much, you could, you know, especially if you you're old, you could by age of 60. be disabled. Yeah, exactly. And and they and they're calling it sitting disease. And <laughs> sitting <laughs> the disease. The cure for this really? is standing. Wasn't that just less uh, restless leg <laughs> syndrome like five years ago? Wasn't that just you know, like you have sitting? It's like disease. seriously, is everything a disease? I mean, I'm, okay, like I'm, uh, and, I'm sorry, the cure Mr. for Brandon, this is I, standing. I looked over your chart here, and it says that you have a. Uh, I'm very sorry about this sitting disease. I'm, I'm very sorry. Oh, What's no. the cure? Yeah, standing. The cure is worse than the disease. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> then you'll have standing disease. That's terrible. It's, it also says here as a side effect, you have fat ass disease as well. So I, I don't know if you knew that. It, also known as JLo Pro uh, in, in, in some circles. So the walk is what I'm playing. Also, I'm playing a bunch of retro games. There was this huge sale on Xbox Live and I went just silly nuts buying retro games or remakes of retro games. So I picked up like a flashback and be, uh, has been redone to kind of have a more shadow complex feel. So I grabbed that DuckTales remastered. So this was a game that was released in the eighties and is a classic NES game that could sell for $25,000. If you have an unsealed, uh, excuse me, a sealed copy. Uh, it just, it's, it's crazy like popular. So they went and remade it, but they decided to go back and get the original voice cast of the animated series to redo all the music, to add all these crazy modern day graphics to it. 
And everybody was on board. It started off, I believe, as a Kickstarter and then just kept going. And uh, the voice of Scrooge McDuck is back at 90 years old and sounds great. Wow, that is amazing, just, isn't it? Just great. There's a making of about how they did this. And I bought it for just the sheer fact that they had done this for no other reason than somebody had an idea to bring this game from the 8-bit era forward and go get the Disney cast to come back and do it. And I was like, I got to reward that. That is just crazy good. So I have that. There's a couple of other ones that I've, I've picked up since actually Christmas. Um, the Dungeons and Dragons arcade games came out on Xbox Live. So I grabbed those. And the Simpsons arcade game, I stuck 25 bucks in that puppy one day just to see the ending. Uh, so you can play as the Simpsons. The cool thing about that is you can actually, there are achievements in there and you can actually do one called Mr. Sparkle, which is to play the Japanese edition and get up to level three. <laughs> that is, is cool. Funny. So that, and I'm playing Solara. I'm kind of sort of winding down on that. That's an app that we've talked about on some other SPN shows. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm sort of at level 29 and I haven't played it in about a, I don't know, a month or two and and I got past Rusty writing bad poetry. and <laughs> <laughs> Yes. There's some great, great sci-fi references and TV show references. There's a great Simpsons goggle line in, in there that's just hysterical. If you are a fan of bad television or the like and you want something that's kind of a pick-up-and-play game, uh, Solara is definitely fun to do. It is uh, modeled in the Final, uh, Final Fantasy VI idea, hence the name Esper Labs for the name of the company. And uh, really, really, it's a free game, freemium, worth a shot. Now, a game that is not freemium, but also really good is Papa Sangre 2, which I've also been playing on iPad. Both of those games are available for iPad or iOS in general. And uh, I have those it. Are I need really to play fun. it. I go through spits where I, I play it a lot, get frustrated, put it back, come back to it later. But the voice work is just so good in that. I think it's and, just so uh, awesome that they get these crazy, like, famous voice actors to do this oh, stuff. Oh, Benedict Cumberbatch for The Night Jar yes. and Sean mm-hmm. Beam for, for this on uh, Pop Song Grey 2. And uh, it just, it's a game that you put headphones on. Uh, there are really no visuals, although there are things on the screen. And you interact completely in a 3D audio world. So if you're into binaural audio or you like the idea of changing soundscapes, like, in the very early, early stages of this game, uh, it teaches you that you're walking on a map by having uh, bubbling cauldrons and water, and you have to listen very carefully, and you can hit walls and uh, do things in spatial audio. So $5 generally, uh, although there are sales that knock it down to $0.99, cents, just depending, you want to check your uh, uh, favorite app store of choice, being that of iOS, uh, to see if it is on sale. If not, totally worth the 5 bucks. It's several hours if you're not good at it. If you are very good at spatial audio, it might not be that good, but they have achievements in it as well through Game Center that you can go back and get. And I'll just say this, penguins, bloody penguins. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book. Reading a rainbow, reading a rainbow. Oh, let's see what is between the covers, shall we? I love this part of the show because I get to blab about books. You know, I do that most of the time anyway, whether it's appropriate or not. So it's good to actually have a place for that. 
And I may use all sorts of words while blabbing about books, and some of them may have been around since ancient times, according to this article. So this is like super bizarre, and uh, some linguists are on board with this and some are not. There are a few words that are believed to have been the same all the way back through prehistoric times. They're not precisely the same, but to have generally the same sound. So mother and father are examples of this. And if you look at, uh, say, French and Italian and Spanish and even some of the Asian languages, there will be similar sounds to express these concepts. And the idea is that there was one language from which all others were born, you know, that ancient humans spoke in certain things. The word spit, that makes sense. Uh, spit may sound similar, may have sounded similar way back when as well, because that to me is kind of an automatopoeia where it, if you say spit, you know, it just kind of conjures the, <laughs> the concept <Ew>. of spitting. <laughs> but the weirdest one that supposedly could have originated, you know, 7,000 years ago or whatever, worm? Really? Wor worm really? is going to be common in all these different languages? Huh. I'm not so sure about that. But I liked huh. reading the article, even though, again, some linguists are like, yeah, no, probably not. But they make a I decent like case it for it. You, you hear things that you are not familiar with or used earlier in, say, the last decade. I think we've talked about this before about Quim and I heard it when I was reading, I think I, I when we were reading some Neil Gaiman uh, for the show. Yes. And then I heard it used by Loki in the Avengers mm -hmm. movie when, when he's talking to uh, Scarlett Johansson. And I was kind of like giggling to myself when it was said because I was kind of like, oh, my God, I've like not heard this word. And now it's in, everywhere. In, that everywhere. happened to Everybody's me too. using this word. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny when you see that, especially if you read period pieces or language, George R. R. Martin does that occasionally, not very often, but you know, there is ye old English that can show up in some books and then just show up everywhere. What I avoid, believe it or not, is there are some phrases and terms that have been used in by JK Rowling that now have worked their way into society that I just kind of, oh, really? That's... I know where you got that from. That's that's nothing new, but um, there are there can be a book series where that can just jump out and then take up public consciousness the same way that anything that is vaguely related to Hunger Games becomes the touchstone. So Logan's Run, yeah, it's like Hunger Games. No, it's not. No, Stop it's it. Not. Stop it. May the Ender's Game. Forever. It's like it's like Hunger Game. No, no, it it's really not. Isn't. It's really not at all. It no, no. And but, Divergent, know, that that's like Hunger Games. No, they came uh, out at the same no. time and perhaps for the same audience, no. but no. No, and we didn't even touch that in consuming. Uh, we 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 finished the We did finish trilogy. the series. Yes, we did. Yep. And the less said about book three, the better. And I don't care what others have said to me on the internet. I am not looking forward to that. We're actually getting to the point where we've read some of these books that are being turned into movies and we'll have to have like in the Nexus former covers 
books homework that are now movies. movies yeah because we've yeah. got to see ender's game and uh all produced by the same them. company that produces hunger's games <laughs> yeah. has anybody besides me heard the uh, ender's game the uh the audio play oh, i have not no, have, was that worth it because you know the audio books are kind of halfway there the audiobooks are kind of halfway there. It was interesting. It was like all the all the games sounded like uh, 1980s uh, Nintendo games. <laughs> um, the only thing that was a little bit disturbing, and I kind of get why they had to do it, because like you can't get kids young enough to say the kind of lines that these yeah. super hyper intelligent kids yeah. say. Right. But you know, having eight year old Ender sound like a grown man. Yeah, uh, and I think they had to. I don't know. I don't know what it was like in the play, but in the movie, they are not six as they are in the books. Yeah, we'll see. In the in the audio play, they are six and eight and whatever, but they have like adults voicing them, and it's just a little weird. Well, he even says that at the end of the audiobooks, Orson Scott Card does about. You know, I'm not sure how this will work, and if it's at a certain age, then they try to shove the teen romance thing into it. Uh, and that's kind of what hurts Divergent, actually, is the teen romance is probably going to overshadow some of the more dystopian things that are mentioned in there, especially when you get to the second movie and ugh, the third one, because uh, all all those books have been optioned. So there will be three probably Veronica Roth films because or they'll do what they're doing to Hunger Games. We'll take the third one and turn it into two, just like Deathly Hollows. Oh, <laughs> or Breaking Dawn, or any of those. And I think that's it. I mean, Hollywood has you know, hit this moment where they need another Harry Potter, or they need another Twilight. And it's sad, because some of these works... We don't need another Twilight. We didn't need a first yeah, Twilight. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Sparkly <laughs> vampires are not my thing. Uh, but we, we've hit this point in, in movie cinema, whether we're, we're going to remake something, a.k.a. all the films of Paul Verhoeven, uh, as in Total Recall, Robocop, and soon-to-be Starship Troopers, or we're going to take these books of, of, of fantastic, you know, beloved characters and shove them in a modern-day filter, but it's going to be based off of a film that was, you know, based off of those works. So really, Hunger Games is based off of all the movies we talked about that had come before it, but now anything that comes out after it that was written before it is going to be based truly through the filter of Hunger Games. And that's really, really weird. But that's why you should probably read the book before you go and see the movie. I, I, I'm glad I know all the um, books before I go see Jack Ryan, Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit. Okay, so like, I don't know. I'm thinking, for example, right now of iRobot. I'm not a huge fan of the Will Smith movie. If, if I take it no. as itself. You know what? If, if it was written, if it was not called iRobot and it had, yes, and it, yes. it would have been okay. Yes. But they Since took a title. I think it was going to be iRobot and it was not. Based off the title of the well known book. They took book. a title based <laughs> on, and, and with, with some of the characters' sort of character uh-huh. names borrowed, with absolutely yeah. none of the character yeah. traits borrowed as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it. it did, did anybody besides me ever read the Harlan Ellison screenplay? Uh, oh, dude, I have an autographed copy of that. Yes. You have an autographed copy of the Harlan I Ellison met screenplay? Harlan Elegi- I, I met Harlan at Future Books in Houston. He, he came and did a Doesn't signing. Doesn't he just? And he signed that, and he said maybe three words to me because he was staring at the girl with the big boobs and the blonde hair standing next to me. So... He was truly Harlan. I can say that every moment of it was Harlan. And I'm I have sure. 
bask in his greatness and been belittled by him because I wasn't blonde and had big boobs. So yeah, that was my three minutes with Harlan. It was very but, nice. I mean, like, you know, um, even if he's got the sort of the personality of, um, I don't know, some pick some unpleasant thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He, and, do, he does view, uh, express his viewpoints very openly. That would he, be he does. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you tell the Warner Brothers executive that he had he had the intelligence of an artichoke, that probably doomed your screenplay. <laughs> oh, um, oh, the classic because, uh, battles over soldier. I know that was a great one. Oh man, he, he so hated that. But the screenplay itself, if it, it has, if it had ever actually been made, was brilliant. Very good. In fact, uh, just the other day, I was showing Rockstar that. It was uh, the Harlequin story is being turned into yes, a movie. Yes, a short and story being- is being actually optioned and is going to be a movie, which was kind of a surprise. Like, oh, look, uh, Mr. Ellison, was, um, this is going to happen. JMS, J. Michael Straczynski, that is doing the adaptation. And Harlan and him had worked together on Babylon 5. So I was kind of surprised, but kind of like that makes sense because they've kind of worked together. But Harlan's it could literally, it probably has been its own documentary, its own book series. Uh, Harlan's railing against modern day film and modern day television when it came to his works is just legendary. Just absolutely. Even, but, even his arguments with Gene Roddenberry over his episode of Star Trek, you know, he, he, he's talked in great length about how his story was changed. Uh, even though, um, you know, the guardian forever and all of that, all of that stays pretty true to the idea of it, but he had some basic ideas of how it should be done. And uh, he actually had ideas back in the 70s about how to bring Star Trek back. And those are just great. I, I actually saw a, um, a Tomorrow I really Show. I still had the screenplay because it was in it was serialized in Asimov's in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Unfortunately, those copies of Asimov's went away, and I'm very, I was yeah. very, very unhappy about they this. They binded them and put in illustrations, and that's the book that I have I have actually autographed at the moment that a friend of mine is borrowing. Kindle. There was a Tomorrow Show that I watched uh, that was on a videotape that I bought at a fan convention, and it had DeForest Kelly and Walter Koenig and Harlan talking about shortly after the uh, launch of the space shuttle or near the flight of the space shuttle, uh, what could be done to bring Star Trek back in a way post Star Trek, the motion picture. Cause you know, a lot of people didn't like the way that Weiss had done Star Trek, the motion picture. And he was just very adamant about that then. And just railing on Gene Roddenberry. And I had, I think another friend of mine has that videotape, but it's hysterical just to see this thing in late night television that you assume nobody was watching and probably was true. <laughs> but it was really neat because it was classic Harlan. And he used to do that also. I don't know, buddy, if you remember, there was a, there was a show in various forms on the original sci-fi channel in the nineties, like sci-fi vortex or something like that. And it would have five minutes where they would just let him be like Andy Rooney. And they were, no, just, I, I, I missed those. Oh man. It was just so Harlan being Harlan. It was hysterical, but uh, definitely look at his Wikipedia page and some other places. Uh, a lot of his rants have been captured over the years and they are just amazing. But um we got to get to the homework that we did a long time ago, back in episode 11. And uh, I'll give you an update of where I am on this. Rockstar? Yes. So the homework was to read The Farseer, book one, Assassin's Apprentice. And there may or may not that. be a whole 
bunch of other books in this universe. Uh-huh. And uh, you may or may not have read them all now. Uh, I'm getting close. So I like this series so much that I didn't just read this one. I read two other trilogies that are tied to it. So you were right. I like this. The thing about this first book is that it's very approachable. It's not hard to understand. There are, unlike Game of Thrones, where you need a companion piece to be able to follow everybody and everything and draw it all back to itself. This is a very uh, kind of scaled down list of characters, but a very wide universe. You very much feel like world building and the names and places have weight and they do come back later. And there are definite feelings of culture, be it on one continent or another. And this is an origin story. This is your classic comic book. Boy finds out who he is, what powers he has, and what he has the ability to do, whether it be talk to his um, familiar in a way. I don't want to give away that part, but there are some definite feelings here. And I'm going to say this also, kind of like we were talking about in the early books, I I don't know that I would let young school children read this because uh, there are some things that happened to this poor guy throughout his trilogy. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, there were times that weren't nice. For him. Yeah. But what were some of the things that drove you to select this as our homework? Because I really think that would help the audience understand why I kept reading beyond the initial, I have to read this book for the podcast. <laughs> for me, fantasy has to be character driven. I don't care about a good story unless it's being told by a compelling person or from a compelling point of view. You could have a really great idea. And there are some fantasy authors who do have great ideas, but they fail for me when it comes to character development or world building. And when I'm reading, I want to feel very much like I am in this universe. And that's one thing that Robin Hobb does very, very well is draw a believable and compelling universe. One of the things, oddly enough, that I like about these books is that the characters are very human. They are imperfect in many, many ways. And this, mm-hmm. <laughs> this book is told in first person from the point of view of Fitz, who is the main character. And there are countless times that, uh, I may want to reach out and slap some sense into Fitz, but... I believe the term I used often was emo. <laughs> yes. Uh, but in a good way. <laughs> Fitz definitely has some emo moments, and he begins the book well, as a very young child and then becomes a teenager. And so the emo kind of behavior is very realistic, and that's what I like. I like that the, the book is fantasy, but it is very believable fantasy. And it's something that, hey, I want to find out what happens next in this universe. And it doesn't go by the numbers. It doesn't go one, two, three, right down the list of, oh, okay, there's a castle. So therefore there must be X and there must be this and the damsel yeah, must there's be There's always rescued. royalty. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Well, there is in this too. Yes. Yes, indeed. What's up with that? Why, is, why does fantasy always have to have royalty? Um, oligarchies. Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess the, it's a come and see the violence inherited in the system. Wait, that's a funny, <laughs> fun, fun quote. That 
Um, I didn't vote. I didn't vote for him. I'm thinking of the line about kings. Yes, yes. All, all of that whole scene, buddy, just came to my head. That's a very good point, and I think they kind of touch on that in uh, Monty Python. It's totally worth a read, and the character does go places, and it just is just uh, just a sliver of a bigger, bigger tale. And this came about because people have been asking us online. What are some other books out there that are like a Game of Thrones? I'm waiting for George R.R. to do his next one. What can I read in the meantime that's kind of like that? And I kind of like this in some ways a little differently than I do Game of Thrones. I like them both very much, but there are just more intimate character moments here. So you don't have to read like, you know, in Game of Thrones, like 500 pages about Dorne, and I could care less about Dorne to get back to, what's what's Tyrion doing now? Where's Tyrion? I don't know what's happening to Tyrion. Uh, this is much more single-focused. And what is our newest homework? Well, before I tell you that, I must say that I am ecstatic to have learned I thought that Robin Hobb was completely done writing books with these particular characters, Fitz and the Fool. So you have two different series with Fitz and the Fool, and each of those are trilogies. And it turns out that in August, she is going to be releasing another book that revisits these characters. And yay, I can't wait. So our next homework is kind of in a similar vein in that it is an epic fantasy, and it is written in first person, and it is, I suppose, an origin story where a person discovers who he is and what he can do and the like. There are only two books in this series thus far, though, and I really wish the third would hurry up. Come on, Patrick Rothfuss, <laughs> write faster, write faster. You said that about Veronica <laughs> Roth, so I'm really, really dragging my feet here. That's... um. <laughs> Third third book woes. Third book woes indeed. Well, I, I have great faith in Patrick Rothfuss, and I think that you will too as you read The Name of the Wind, which is the Kingkiller Chronicles Day One. And that actually has been option for a movie, if I remember as well. I, think it, and, I don't um, think it was a movie. I think it was a TV series or something weird. And I don't like this idea at all. Although I, yeah, I was I, saying I, to I someone on Twitter to that I do want a clothed action figure uh, loot sold separately if they ever do this. <laughs> but other than that, no, I, I don't like the idea of this. And a very favorite author of both Sword and Lasers and a certain other podcast we've recommended. Yes, Patrick ladies. Rothfuss has uh, got all sorts of fans, and he is also involved in World Builders, which is a rather interesting project in which authors will do things, uh, not only donating to charity, but actually be active in, well, world building for real, as in, you know, providing needed things in developing countries or places where these things not may not be available currently. So very cool group of authors doing world builders. And uh, yeah, Patrick Rothfuss is incredibly awesome. So this too, you shall all find out when you read Name of the Wind. And you can leave us your thoughts as well as thoughts about some of the other authors that we featured here in the cover segment. 
Uh, tell us about Kill Decision or In Flux, the newest ones from Daniel Suarez, which uh, I'm about to read the uh, second of that. Uh, I've read Kill Decision. Very near future. Oh, he's got a new one? Stuff. Yeah, oh, Influx. Yeah, Influx. Uh, yep, just... Uh, oh, I know, I know where, where one of my Audible credits is going. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely that, and uh, check those out, as well as, uh, like we had talked about, Enders and some other uh, authors that we have mentioned here in the segment. Or you can send us in your thoughts about what should be here, like Orinx just did. Hi, you all crew. This was uh, this my first eye report. I'm Warren, you may know me as Orange on Twitter. And I'm uh, calling about the most recent episode of EOA where uh, Kevin was talking about how he was looking for more books similar to Ready Player One or in that style of, of uh, virtual reality type thing. Well, I have one, and uh, it's a free book, an indie book, as it were, called Rate Me Red. And basically the premise is uh, that it's, the virtual world is like YouTube, Facebook, and, and Twitter kind of rolled into one. And basically it's like Ready Player One with a, with a lot more satire and uh, really, really cool technology and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, a nice plug for uh, DocuScan is that uh, the, book, the book is in PDF, so if you want to see DocuScan, it comes out in a uh, nice readable form. So... Uh, Definitely check that out and uh, love the show. Bye. Thank you for that. It's always good to hear what other people have to say. So send us your recommendations. We would love to hear them. Well, that just about does it for EOL show. Buddy, thank you for sitting in the third chair. It was great to have you back, man. We won't wait 11 episodes before doing it again. Thanks for having me. Oh, catch that adventure sphere. He's trying to run out and escape the studio Uh-oh. without cleaning up. Uh-oh. Nope. Can't have that. Grab him. Because I ain't touching this uh-uh. stuff. I am not. Uh-uh. No. Hey, hey, remember, catch all the show notes, eolshow.com, as well as follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash eolshow, or hey, check out us on emails with feedback to resources at serotalk.com or catch buddy at his other place on SPN triple click home triple click home.com or you can hear him on serotalk serotalk.com and now I guess we'll just have to see what happens Russian roulette go ahead you're already there you got the quarter over the slot put it in sphere Dogs at six in the morning. I know it's gonna be some more shit tonight. Oh, I pass this car. You can send us in your thoughts about what should be here, like Orinx just did. Thank you for that. that. <clears throat> no, you go ahead. Three, two. No, you go ahead. Because um, all I was saying was, oh, that was a good place to put that. Good idea. Oh, okay. Oh, oh okay. Okay. <laughs>